Today I want to continue on the series about the promised life and get into some of the how-tos and some of the things that we need to watch out for because I'm telling you, having a promise from God is your superpower. We hear that a lot, right? And we hear that now because all the movies coming out, our superpower is the promises of God. Of course, it's the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit wants to give you promises. And Jane and I last night were just lying on the bed together and talking about the promises over her life and how she received them. And at first, uh, you know, we just got a chatting and then she started thinking about the promises God gave her for our sons and for our daughter-in-laws and for our grandchildren and for our lives. And we began to suddenly, uh, uh, it was just amazing. We started to be full of excitement and faith about the promises of God. Why is it so important to have a specific promise, not just 7,000 general promises in the Logos, the Word of God? Why? Because when they're specific, they're for you. When we go from God can to God will, it changes everything, right? Who'd like to know that God will, not just that God can? Who's got something you're praying for that you're saying, I know God can, but I wanna know that God will. Put up your hand if you're one of those people, right? We do, all, only, only 18 of us. Okay, the rest has come along later on. Or they had a bad night and they can't raise their hand, they injured it playing pickleball or something like that. Whatever old people play these days. Okay, so uh, we need to know that God will, not can. Logos, as we talked about last week, is the general full revelation of God. That is the Bible. Right, Jesus is known as the Logos too, the full revelation. But underneath that, there is this Greek word called rhema, which means the general word of God becomes specific to us. And that can come to us through a dream like it did to Abraham. It can come through a prophetic word like from a Dr. Maiden. It can come from someone in church sharing it like Pastor Jane. It can come many different ways. For me, it often comes through the Bible. When I'm reading it, God begins to speak to me. And I was thinking to myself, uh, how, you know, last night we were so inspired, so uplifted, so in, uh, just feeling inspired about life because our life is not random. Jane, my life is not random. It's not like, oh, well, I hope for the best next year. Let's hope it's a better year, everybody. Our life is certain. It doesn't mean it's perfect, but it means it has some certainty about it. And when you have certainty, it creates stability. Isn't that right? The logical link between those two words is obvious. Certainty brings stability, takes away the indecisiveness. It helps you make good decisions. But in order for this to happen, you've got to adopt a Bible worldview. That is, the Bible is the immutable unchangeable, inspired Word of God. And as Timothy tells us, it's good for everything. It's good for encouraging, inspiring, teaching, rebuking, admonishing. It's the whole counsel of God and it's there for our benefit. And uh, we were talking about how God promised Jane health, how God has promised us campuses, as God's promised us building and property and so on that God has promised us that we would build and see uh, thousands of people come to find Jesus, that these promises give us direction and clarity about where we're going. 
Most people don't know where they're going other than what they were told to do at school. So we now track towards that and then realize, is that for me? I don't know. And we kind of meander and find our way. God wants to give you something better than that. We've been talking about the promises of God. This is what I've discovered. Most Christians, sorry, many Christians, don't exaggerate, though I think it is most Christians, have adopted a sovereign will of God view of the world. Uh, have you heard this said? It was, it was just meant to happen. Anyone who, don't put up your hand if you've said it, but who's heard it said? It was just meant to happen. Who says it was meant to happen? Just because it happened doesn't mean it was God's perfect will for that to happen. But we've adopted this whole thing, whatever will be, will be. Case sarah, sarah. If that happened to me, it must have been true of the universe. The universe wanted it to happen. Really? I'm not living like that. I'm living more certain and powerful and full of faith that God is guiding my life and not just God's sovereign will for my, my God's sovereign will for my life, but God has an op- given me an opportunity to work with Him as a JV partner to change some of the things in my life. Otherwise, why pray? Other than, well, I'm going to be relational with God. Yes, that's good, but we need more than that as proven by how much we pray. And when we pray, it's always when there's troubles. You see, the greatest weapon a person has are the promises of God. The greatest weapon a parent has over rebellion in their teenagers are the promises of God. The greatest power a worker has over what's happening at work are the promises of God. The greatest power we have over sickness is the promise of God. The promise of God is a guarantee of an outcome. Imagine if you could take the guesswork out of life. All week, God's been reminding me because every verse, I don't know if uh, like Google Home now listens to everything I say and then gives me ads, whether the Bible app now does it. But for some reason, the verse of the day, every day this week was along this line. Let me give you a couple. Luke 11 said this, for no word, for no word, rhema, that is the word rhema, specific word from God will ever fail. Everybody say ever fail. Right, that's not a fail. You know, one in a billion or one in a thousand, it will never fail. Right, will never fail. Not one word will ever fail. Luke 1, verse 37. Then the next day, it's about Jesus who was being led by the spirit of the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Listen, bread is what keeps you alive, right? Food is what keeps you alive. Listen to this, I want you to get this. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every rhema word, every specific promise brings faith to your life. Does it make sense? Right? Not just Logos word, but rhema. God wants to give you more than just general fortune cookies that you can grab. That's how we are. I'll have that one. I'll have that one. Then when it doesn't work, we wonder why. Is the word of God something wrong with that? No. Logos needs to become rhema to be personally applicable to me. Does that make sense? Logos, rhema. So some things to note about the promises of God. God doesn't move quickly He moves suddenly. God is slow, but never never late. So God doesn't move quickly. We measure things in increments. Well, by this quarter, we should have done this. By that quarter, we should have done that. By that quarter, we should have got here. And God says, I'm gonna do zero until the last quarter, the last day of the the year, and then bang, 
I move suddenly. Because God doesn't move quickly, God moves suddenly. It's one of, the, one of the truths of the Bible we need to grab. God gives me the desires of my heart. Psalm 37, I was reading it last night. Psalm 37 talks about God gives me the desires of my heart, the ones that are inside of me. And it's amazing when I spend time in God's presence, like this prayer week we've had, how those desires come to the surface. God gives me the desires of my heart. So God gives me promises based on the desires of my heart. That's how God works. Now, the bridge between hope and faith is a promise. Rhema is a specific word from God. Logos is a general word from God. Rhema takes things from God can to God will, as we said before. Here's some things to note about the promises of God. Number one, it comes by faith. Let's read Romans 4.16. Therefore, the promise comes by faith. Let's all read it out together, out loud. Let's read the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. Ready? Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. So the promise comes by faith. God wants to get you into a place where God can deposit His Word. The Bible talks about it in Matthew 13. God's the sower of the seed, the Word of God, and our hearts are the soil. And the seed falls on a different soil, and depending on the soil it falls on, depends on whether something grows. So my job is to keep the weeds out of my heart. Stop all the stuff crowding in on my heart. A hurried heart. You know, one of the sicknesses that the the world has, particularly in America and Australia, is hurry sickness. How do you know you've got hurry sickness? Well, put your hand up. If you sit at a, you come to a red light and you decide which lane you're going to be in by the shortest amount of cars. Okay, what about when you're at the supermarket, right? And, the, and like that happened to me the other day, the self-checkout wasn't working, so I had to go stand in a line. I haven't done a line for a long time and I was ticked. I had to send in a line, I've got two little things and you've got a whole year's worth of supplies. I wanted to ask, I'm just not bold enough to ask, I just stood there and, and tolerated it, but that's called hurry sickness. Anyway, moving on, hurry sickness. So we've got to slow down enough for God and till the ground of our hearts. Prayer meetings are how we do that. And I promise you, the almost 50 people that came during the week, we all feel different. We feel like our hearts have been plowed and God's ready to plant seed and God already has. That's how it works. Number two, this is a good one. God's words, come, God's promises come with tests. Uh-oh. What is a test, everybody? It's half of a Testimony. Everybody wants a testimony. Nobody wants the test. That's why we've got a lot of moany Christians. No test, just moany. Just moaning about this, moaning about that, moaning about this and that. Testimony are the two things that go together. No test, just moany. But tests have a testimony. It's part of the, part of the deal, right? And a test if you think about school, right, I hated tests. Put up your hand if you hate tests. Put up your hand if you hate blood tests. Anyone hate blood tests? Anyone hate school tests? Anyone hate any kind of tests? Right. Well, truthfully, I haven't found, I have maybe found a couple of teachers when I was at school like this, but most of them 
actually want you to pass the test. What is a test? Let's look at, let's break it down. Let's look at what it was originally intended. A test is the mechanism of promotion. When you're given a test, it's not like, oh, this is a test, I'm scared, this is a test. No, 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 this is the mechanism by which I get promoted to the next level. How do I move from second grade to third grade? Through a test. Unless my mum comes to school and beats the teacher or something, you know. But I go to third grade by passing the test. I go to second year in college by passing the tests. That's how it's supposed to work. Though these days they just want your money, so just come on in anyway. The point is, I have to pass tests, right? Tests are God's. I want you to see what God does. Why does God give us a test? To see if you're a good Christian? No. Why does He give you a test? Is God is desperate to promote you. But the, but the mechanism of tests is the promotion mechanism. God can't promote you without you passing a test. Can I kind of just sit this test out, God? No. Well, you can if you want to repeat the year. Anyone want to repeat of last year or COVID year? Let's choose a good one. Who wants a repeat of 2020? No, no, in Jesus' name, right? Some of us don't want a repeat of this last year, the last three months. No one wants a repeat. Well, part of it is, God's perfect timing might not be up yet, but part of it might be because you've not passed the test and you've got to pass the test. If you get this, it'll help you look at the things in your life not as hindrances or difficulties, but as promotions, okay? Only half of you are convinced. The other half are like, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Comes with tests, right? Let me show you something real quick. I haven't got time to go over it today. Maybe we will next week. We will do a little bit of this next week. And that picture is about next week. I'll tell you later about that. So let's say God has His perfect will and then God has His permissive will. It's a theology uh, discussion in most churches about God's permissive will and God's perfect will. Okay, let's apply that theology to time. So God has perfect will regarding time. Let's say he says to me, Ashley, this storm that you're going through is a test for you. And guess what? It's going to last one year. That's God's perfect will. One year. Now, if it takes seven years, that's now God's permissive will because his perfect will was one year. I'm the one delaying the outcome. How many know storms come? But how many know storms go? If the storm is there for seven years, how many think we've got some problems? Right? That's how it works. So we're coming out to the other side, perfect time. God has a time for everything and then we add our time to it. Okay? Remember, I don't give you, have you got a scripture for that? I do, many. Let me share one with you. Exodus 17, remember? Moses on the mountain. His job was to raise his hands, spiritual authority, prayer, worship, all the things that are associated with that. In the valley was Joshua fighting against the Amalekites. And what happens to the fight? God has a perfect will time period for Joshua to win. We know the story. While Moses' hands are raised, 
the Israelites win. When his hands get tired, they lose. When he puts his hands up again, they win. When he puts his hands down, they lose. And this goes on for a long, long time until, thank goodness, he has two friends, Aaron and Hur, who come and stand alongside of him, put him, sit him on a rock, sit Moses on a rock and hold up his hands and then Joshua won. So the distance of the battle was in whose hands? God's or in Moses? Put up your hand if you believe it was Moses. I do. It wasn't a trick question. It was in Moses' hands. To one degree, it was in God's hands, but after his perfect will had expired, he went now into permissive will. We're now into the will where God allows it to continue because you are not passing the test. I'm not passing the test. So Moses, when he kept his hands up, finally won. So I look at things in my life. I don't, and this is the hard thing because I don't know God's perfect will. I don't know exact time. It might be five years for this one. It might be two years for this one. I don't know. All I know is that he's a joint venture partner, not a sole proprietor. That means that God does what he can do, but he won't do what you're supposed to do. And he says, I'll wait. I can wait a long, long time for you to do what you're meant to do. And you don't do what you're meant to do and God just still keeps waiting. Well, I'm still waiting. The Word of the Lord came a second time to Jonah. The Word of the Lord came a second time to many people in the Bible. Why? Because they didn't listen the first time and they delayed the timing. There's God's perfect will and then there's God's permitted will, which is up to us. Does that make sense? Yes. Pastor, we don't like this. I'm just trying to help you. Don't stone the messenger. I'm just trying to help. And everyone online, this is for you too, right? Here's the deal. God wants you to break through. God has a time. We extend the time by not passing the tests. Here's the other thing. If you remember back to your tests, have you noticed in your tests that you're not allowed to take your cheat sheet in? Remember sitting in a room doing a test and you're not allowed to take your work and your homework? Anyone ever done that? Okay. Have you noticed in that thing you can't look at the person next to you's work and cheat? Well, you can, but if you get in trouble, if you get caught, you're done, right? Have you noticed that when you put your hand up to ask a question, it's silence? Sometimes when, we're, when there's silence, it's not because God is not present. It's just you're testing you're in the test. God's not going to answer the question for you in the test. He wants you to find the answer in the test. God's testing to see whether you remember what He told you. That's why promises are so important. Because when it goes quiet, I go back to my promises and suddenly I hear the voice of God again t- reminding me. It's like it recalls to my mind what God said. Oh, okay. I remember being in a room feeling so discouraged, so depressed. And I... And I and, And God gave me this scripture while I was praying. I felt really abandoned. It was one of those seasons in my life I felt very rejected, very hurt, and uh, just sad, right? And then I started reading this scripture. Someone called me and and I started reading this thing. And as I read it, God said to me clearly, Ashley, this is a test. I said, is that all it is, a test? Well, I know how to do those. Easy, God, come on, let's go. Suddenly my rejection was fixed when I realized I was in a test. If you don't know you're in a test, you're going to feel terrified. You're going to feel challenged. Sometimes I am not in a test 
And sometimes I am in a test and I need to know. God will bring tests to the promise. Why? Think about it. Abraham, there's a test. Sarah, have you been for your test? We need to find out if you're pregnant. No, I'm not back yet. Doctor says it's going to take a couple of days, right? It's kind of old technology. And so we'll find out in a couple of days, maybe a week. So have you done the test? Yeah, no baby. So sometimes the test is about waiting, right? Sometimes the test is about trusting God and keep on going back in that time. But it comes with tests. Number three, I already gave you this one, but three, God is a joint venture partner. God doesn't do what we can. God does what we can't. God works with me. He said to the widow woman, go and collect all the pots and take the little oil and fill them. When she stopped collecting pots, the oil stopped running. Right? It's always that way. God says, I'll do what you can't do. I'll make a way where there's no way. But you better put your sand shoes on and you better get your, your, your backpack ready. You better start walking. I'll make a way, but you start walking. There's our part. There's God's part, right? That's how this whole thing works. But we're expecting God to do it like it'd be a... Like, can we go back to Genesis 1 where you just created everything with your mouth and I did nothing? Yeah, see, I did that back in Genesis 1, but now I want joint venture partnership because that's how we get things done. Because when you are part of the adventure, you think you're awesome. You rise in faith. Remember getting Ben, when he was nine years of age, he was doing a school project and it was a PowerPoint or something like that. And he sat on my knee and I did the PowerPoint, but he thought he did it. Well, when he got a great mark, he was so proud of himself, even though dad was really controlling the strings behind the scenes, making him look good. He was so proud of himself. That's what our heavenly father does to us. He's making it all happen. He just thinks we're having a part to play and our faith grows. That's why we need to understand God's a joint venture partner, not a solo operator. He wants us to, we want him to do creative miracles. Just say it, God. I know you can. He says, I want you to go and say something and I'll anoint you when you say it. Okay, number four. Here's one that's, ooh, that's a, here's a tricky one. No one can stop the promises of God except you. I've had this debate with different people along the way who say, but, yeah, but God told me I was going to marry that person, but then they chose someone else. I said, well, then God didn't tell you. Why? Do you think God does not know what they're going to do? Do you think God doesn't know the beginning and the end? God doesn't know the future? Do you think God makes, has a, as, a, as God Almighty makes a promise to one of His children that someone else can wreck? It wouldn't be a promise then, right? It'd be a suggestion. God doesn't make suggestions. God makes promises. And if the promise can be wrecked by someone else, then it wasn't God who gave it to me. Think about Joseph. God says, you're going to be the ruler. Well, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. If he'd been seduced, he may have missed it. In the prison, he could have missed it. In many moments, he could have missed it. Only he could stop it. When his brothers tried to kill him, that couldn't stop it. When the woman tried to seduce him, that couldn't stop it. When uh, him being in jail, that couldn't stop it. When the guy failed to remember him, that couldn't stop it. Why? Because when God makes a promise, God's the one who says, I swear by myself because I could find no one else to swear by that I promise and therefore my promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So no one else can destroy the promise of God over my life, but I can because the promise was made to me. 
What does the Bible say? Now, this is a part where I think a lot of us get hung up on uh, a little bit because the people in our life make promises and they don't fulfill them. Put up your hand if you've been subject to a failed promise by somebody. Come on. I promise I'll love you the rest of your life and then they leave you. That's terrible. Or I promise, you know, down at the lower end, I promise to meet you at 10 o'clock, but they're not there till 11. They broke their promise. Right, we have all of those broken promises all the time. So we kind of equate God in the same kind of genre as people. Well, I don't know if I can trust those promises. Well, that's why the Bible says God swore by Himself because there is no one greater who's immutable, unchangeable, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever by which to swear by. So He swore by Himself. Guess what? The Bible says He's not a man because the people were questioning Him. Are you really going to do it? Am I a man that I should lie? I know you're all liars, but I'm not one of them. So God's not a man that he should lie. That's why I can believe his promises. His promises cannot be perverted by other people. Otherwise, I have to come to the conclusion it was hope, it wasn't a promise. Promises given by God must happen or God ceases to be God. The very nature of God demands that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay? How do we experience the promises of God? I'm going to really go through this quite quickly. How to experience the promises of God for yourself? Number one, you've got to create a promise environment for your life. The presence of God creates the environment for the promise of God. The presence of God creates the environment for the promise of God. It's very rare that without the presence of God, that God makes a promise. The presence of God is the gateway to the promise of God. That's why I encourage you to come to prayer meetings on Wednesdays and on Sunday mornings. If you can't make it Wednesday, Sunday morning at 9.15 to 9.45. What are you doing? You are creating a promise environment. The Bible says in 1 Samuel, in those days the word of the Lord was rare and God spoke to Samuel who was sleeping by the ark of the covenant which represented the tangible presence of God with his people in the Old Testament. And where was Samuel? Right by the ark. He hears God speaking. So guess what? Creating a promise environment for our lives. Psalm 1 says, If you meditate on my word day and night, you shall be like a tree planted by streams of living water that will bear fruit in its season. Its leaves will not fail. Blah, blah, blah. There are promises that are attached to meditating on God's word. So Joshua 1.8 says, If you will meditate on my word day and night, you will be, have success wherever you go. Who wants success wherever they go? Anybody? Okay, I do. So I'm going to meditate on God's Word. Why? Because that's out of that environment, God promises me the future, promises me the big things. Okay, number two, intentional solitude. Psalm 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I'm God. How do I know that I'm God? Not in the busyness, in the stillness. Have you ever been with someone? Uh, I was with Dan and Chris for a coffee the other day, and we had a lot of noisy people around about us, right? With my accent, they were finding it difficult to hear every word I said in all that noise. Well, God's voice doesn't sound like your accent. Sometimes He whispers, and the noise is too loud for us to hear. God's always speaking, but the noise means I don't, I pick up, like I'm ringing from Alpharetta. You know how the Verizon Wi-Fi is terrible? You know, 
just drops in and out down Webridge Road, in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. I'm talking to Rick. Rick could have said anything, but I can't hear half the words he says. Can't they put some towers in Alpharetta, please? Let's get a petition to the government or something, I don't know, to Verizon, because I love Alfreda. I want to be able to talk on my phone. Anyway, the point is, just laying out my frustrations today, intentional solitude. You know, I prayed all night about getting married to Pastor Jane, all night, all night. Who thinks I did a pretty, who thinks I made a good choice in marrying her? Anyone? Anyone who thinks so? Yeah. But because I had so many women that wanted me, See, and as you get older, you start thinking that more and more, right? You just dream, you know, it's just old men shall dream dreams, right? It wasn't like Austin who really does, but the point is, right? <laughs> so I had to pray all night, but I prayed all night, why? Because I want to make sure this is a winner. I want to promise from God that she's the right one. I don't want her to bail on me halfway, I didn't. Getting married is a life sentence. You get less for murder. The point is, I wanted... Sorry, that's an Australian joke. Sorry, that's an Australian joke. I'm getting naughty now. I can feel myself winding up to naughtiness. You've not seen half of me. Anyway, that's a bit... Let me just say this. Let me just say this about Australians. You ready? Australians are very serious, but we always joke for some reason. I don't know why. Could be in the middle of a war. We just crack a joke. It's just Aussie ways of living, right? Anyway... I hope I got away with that one. Move on, okay. So I prayed all night about getting married, right? It was a good thing to do, right? Because big problem, big prayer. Little problem, little prayer. Simple, just remember it like that. Big problem, big promise. Little problem, little promise. I need a promise. I wanna know it's gonna work. I wanna know she can love me for this long. I've seen how people age. I'm now one of them. Back then I was handsome, blonde hair, footballer. I had everything going for me. Now it's all left me. I believe in partial rapture. I believe that our hair goes first. And we may meet our hair in the air. Who knows? 1 Thessalonians 4.16. I heard a trumpet. I can't wait till that trumpet sounds so I meet my hair in the air first. Then boom, you'll see a new person, right? Glorified body. But I said, could she, I knew she would never change, but I knew that I'm gonna get, become this old fat ball guy. I'm trying to do my best, everyone. But could she stay with me all that time? I needed to have a promise from God, not just from her. Okay, moving on. Number three, meditate on scripture. One of our, uh, our congregation members in our other campus at Gwinnett had brain cancer. I said to Clarence, I said, you need to meditate on Scripture because as you meditate on the Logos, the Holy Spirit wants to brood over the Logos and take something and speak it to you. And when it comes with faith and power and awe, you've got rhema. We'll talk about how to hear the voice of God and discern that some other time. But that was like eight years, nine years ago. He's going around telling his story. He's been healed miraculously, okay? Just incredible because God gave him a promise. And he lived on that promise. Without the promise, you have hope. With the promise, you have faith. How do we know? Because Abraham had hope, but when God gave him a promise, he believed God and it was counted as righteousness. The promise brought faith. That's the gap. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, are plans to prosper you, give you a future, etc." 
Two verses later, let's read what verse 13 says. And you will find me, so I've given you the kind of the first part of verse 11, but it says, then you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. This is Jeremiah talking to the children of Israel. God's plans are good. And you will find them when you search for them with all your heart. Joshua 23, soon I will die, going the way of everything on earth. Deep in your hearts, you know that every promise of the Lord, your God has come true. Not a single one has failed. This is what in Luke, Luke says, not one of your promises has failed. I'm gonna live, I am living my life based on God's promises.